Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Great American Senior Show. I'm your gray-haired host, Sam Yates, and we're back in Melbourne, Brevard County, and uh, again on the road, David Slonim was our special guest uh, an episode or so ago, and he is back with us today because we really had a lot that we could talk about uh, in the field of elder law. And of particular interest, uh, as you may have tuned in for that previous episode, digital and David, I, I, you know, am absolutely uh, enthralled that you're doing something in the digital realm because those of us who are in the 50s, 60s, and some who are old, you know, going up into the 70s are very familiar. We grew up as the internet uh, came into being. We grew up and grew into Facebook and social media. So those are areas from a digital standpoint that our seniors and those who care for them, and even those in that sandwich portion of of life that we talked about earlier, and we'll come back to that, they're used to it. They're used to digital, but digital brings danger. What are some of the the biggest pitfalls of being involved in that digital arena for those that seek elder attorney advice? Sure. Well, Sam, thanks again for having me on, first off. Uh, One of the things that that we really start to stress uh, when a person has passed away and the family comes to us is that we used to uh, tell clients, look in the mailbox, right? Look for all those uh, statements that come in from the bank or utility bills or other things that we see. And now, Almost nothing comes in the regular mailbox other than junk mail. And so what we're having people look at is their email. So the first thing that people need to do is have access to a person's email. And so uh, there are some federal and state statutory uh, requirements uh, to allow for a fiduciary to be in place to have access to not just the outside of the envelope, so to speak, but also the content. And so uh, there does need to be some authority to do that. And so a person either should have that authority if a person is just incapacitated through a power of attorney. And if they've passed away, then that authority has to either be in a last will or the trust or some other separate digital fiduciary document. And actually, people can go to my website to uh, download a digital fiduciary document for uh, various types of online accounts. And so that is the first thing that you always need to know is where to look for some of these things and then having access to the digital assets uh, themselves. And so one of the dangers that we see uh, quite frequently is, uh, again, losing some of the digital information. Um, for Bitcoin, for example, that is uh, stored in a, uh, a login component for for uh, that exchange or other kind of uh, source for storing the digital assets. And that requires usually a fairly complicated what's known as a hash. Uh, And so it's a really long password, essentially. And so if that is lost, then those assets are lost. And that could be um, from thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on the market and the value of those things and whatnot. And so just a cryptocurrency on its own is important for you to have a good understanding of, as well as um, various other types of digital assets. So, uh, you know, while most people don't think of even online computer gaming as uh, something that has value. Then um, people that used to play or still play a, a game like World of Warcraft or other things have those uh, 
items that are part of that uh, area that they sell and they have actual cash value. Uh, and so there's there's that sort of thing. Even uh, something simple as a Netflix account or Amazon that has continuous charges on it on a credit card, then those things also need to uh, get stopped uh, because all of the credit card numbers almost nearly all the time get sent to the dark web. And then uh, those are bought for pennies on the dollar. And then those credit cards have continuous usage uh, there unless they're stopped. And generally the uh the nefarious individuals that are that have those uh, accounts um are relying on uh, somebody having uh no kind of oversight on that and so those cards continue to get used and so that's kind of where some of these digital assets are kind of going and and being mismanaged there and so it could be anything from the credit cards it could be um again the digital uh currency it could be the social media it could be email accounts as we discussed earlier it could be household appliances so there's a wide variety of digital type things that need to be addressed and uh, you know that's easily overlooked uh, when you're looking at other life situations there and taking a look at that as a whole i i think it it really leads into when do you have that conversation whether it be your parents or whether it be siblings or someone that is caring uh, that you're caring for, or even if you're being cared for and someone hasn't brought that topic up, how do you get into that conversation about all things digital and where the assets are and what are the passwords? How do you broach that topic? Sure. So I call that the uh, difficult dinner conversation. And so, you know, you have to start that conversation somewhere. And that could lead into several days worth of conversation or at least a few hours of sitting down. What I encourage people not to do is just to have something by the side of their uh, computer with the passwords and logins and whatnot. In fact, uh, um, just giving somebody a login and password is uh, not the best legal way to do things because they don't have legal authority to actually access that account uh, per se. So that's actually in violation of some federal uh, computer security uh, laws there. So you need to have a fiduciary access and you need to have uh, that provided to the individual doing so. But the type of conversation uh, should be uh, either at the computer also, so you can kind of see what's going on on your family member's computer there. Um, if there's even a login to the computer itself, uh, it's really important to know uh, if there's other accounts on there or if there's other phones. Uh, of course, the smartphone, pads, or other things that may contain photos uh, really important for uh, a lot of families to have the last photos or video recordings or audio recordings. And that's usually going to be on a mobile digital device there. And so it's really hard to get that information directly from uh, Google or Apple, generally from one of those two. Uh, so you want to be able to have the fiduciary access and legal authority to do that ahead of time. A little sidebar story to that. Uh, my mother passed away a number of years ago from breast cancer. After she had passed away, and she had a Facebook account because I helped her set it up and we communicated. Uh, she was in a, uh, a town uh, less than 15 miles away, but she loved to communicate on Facebook and uh, you know, said, uh, Dear Sammy, you know, below the type of information. After she passed away, uh, I had a friend request from her. 
And looking at it, it was like, she can't be doing this. And uh, lo and behold, Facebook looked into it and someone had made it into her account and was reaching out as my mother to be friends with so many different people. So that's one of the examples of what you're talking about. Oh, indeed. And it happened to my own mother as well. And my mother, thankfully, uh, still alive. But I just had to cancel her Facebook account just last month. So this is a very timely discussion on that. And uh, what what happens, unfortunately, is people will have access. They'll hack the account based on a longstanding or simple password. uh, And then they will ghost that account. So they will then use that, even if it's not something coming directly from that individual's account, they'll have one that looks exactly like it uh, and has the same pictures and that sort of thing. And then we'll reach out to people asking for money or other other things like that. So it can become really um, uh, traumatic for the individual because they don't know what to do and how to fix it. And, and oftentimes, um, people in my mother's generation or 80s, like, where is customer service? Who do I call to yes. fix this? And yes. there just isn't. Right. And so, um, unfortunately, you know, you're left hanging on, on so many of that. Uh, and that could become just an ongoing crisis. And I hear about people all the time who get uh, the reminders of the birthday requests, for mm-hmm. example, on Facebook or other social media sites. And um, sometimes they don't want to be reminded of a deceased you know, loved ones or friends' birthday, you know, and that situation coming up. So it's continuous pain points that we want to help eliminate over time. Yep. And, and the same thing. I have, over the years, gotten birthday reminders uh, of my mother, and it's, it's impossible to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, once it's out there on the internet or into that, um, the intervoid, as I, I like to call it sometimes, uh, it's there. So that's why it is important that someone like yourself and your firm and your partners get involved. Right. And we have been uh, involved in digital assets since about since about 2015, when the revised Uniform uh, Fiduciary Access to Digital Assets Act came out. Uh, and so uh, that in Florida was actually something that was propagated into a statute, Chapter 740, uh, just um, in 2016. And so then we've, we've been at the forefront front of uh, seeing how that is going to uh, tie in to the digital uh, assets as well as the physical documents. So the will and power of attorney, etc. All these things should have references to digital assets and digital control of those assets in those documents. I'm going to switch gears a little bit to something warm and fuzzy. And literally, it is something warm and fuzzy. And that is seniors or others with pets. Uh, One of the things that uh, I see a lot uh, working from my disaster uh, recovery role, uh, I volunteer with Red Cross for many, many, many years, and we see people not wanting to evacuate their homes because they don't want to leave without their pet. And I know it's a little bit more of a tragic scenario, but people don't want to pass away without knowing that their pets are mm. cared for. And, and uh, that is, that's a, a real touchy area for a lot or, of people. Yeah. I, in fact, I just had clients yesterday. Uh, this, you know, sometimes you uh, see these things uh, kind of recurring kind of in, in, in clumps. Uh, and so I had some clients yesterday uh, and clients over the course of the last week or so who have wanted uh, 
us to put in their documents that when they pass away, then um, in this one case, the, the two cats, uh, they wanted them euthanized. And uh, that's, that's kind of a really harsh way to go sometimes. They say, well, you know, nobody knows our cats the way that we do, and they're very picky. Um, and I had to remind them that I dealt with a situation a number of years ago where this uh, other lady had uh, put something similar in, in her will for her dog. And the personal representative came to me and said, you know, somehow the dog disappeared. I can't find the dog. And so couldn't euthanize the dog. And so, uh, you know, I don't recommend having that sort of language in the documents because somehow that pet is going to disappear more often than not and, and not go the euthanasia way, which is probably okay, but, you know, it's uh, there. But otherwise, yeah, it is important to have some language in the uh, will, for example, with reference to who is going to be the planned caregiver for that pet usually dog or cat, but I've had birds or other creatures as well, and whether or not there's going to be some financial component and when that component is going to end or if it's going to end as a gift uh, or otherwise. So there are some thoughts that we have to put into the documents with relating to pets as well. Mm -hmm. What is, and pets, obviously, everyone can relate to, to a pet, but uh, what is one thing that if you had to say, Sam, this is probably the number one thing that people forget about when it comes to uh, needs under the elder care attorney umbrella. What is the, the number one thing across the board if you had to pick one? Needs relating to pets or just needs in overall? Relation, overall. Uh, I'd say making sure that there's planning for um, what to do when you're incapacitated mm -hmm. and uh, need further continuing care. And so I think that there's uh, oftentimes a failure of imagination uh, for what is going to happen if you can't take care of yourself and who's going to do that. In Florida, we have a lot of people that are transplants from other places yes. and their families may yes. not be around. And so then who is going to actually be that care provider uh, and be able to be responsible there when a family member may be a thousand miles away. And so uh, we actually have in our healthcare surrogate a temporary, emergency temporary healthcare surrogate that could be a professional guardian or some other professional that can step in until that family member is boots on the ground, so to speak, to make those decisions here. And so that's important to also, you know, planning ahead of time for what's uh, going to be a fairly costly endeavor when it comes to skilled care or other kind of care at home or in a facility. One of the things that uh, we are seeing a lot of, and I say we, those of us that operate within the senior care circles, is the phenom of aging in place or aging at home. Uh, there are so many different variations of that aging at home, aging in place uh, happening that uh, we all say, yes, grandma needs to stay at home, but then there's the renovations, then there's the X, Y, Z. Uh, how do you address those thoughts as more people want to stay at home and they haven't really thought about what they need to do to the home and what it gets back to that planning process? Absolutely. So I recommend that uh, next time you're visiting your 
Parents come and have a look at the house, look at the bathroom, look and see the clutter of the house, look and see what's in the refrigerator, look and uh, see what the expiration dates are, some of the food in the cabinet. Uh, make sure that, that those basics are addressed. And then also uh, you're looking at the bathroom and, and seeing if there's a need for handrails or other uh, assistive measures there. And, and oftentimes there are community resources that are available to install those for free. I know certain in Brevard, the Brevard Alzheimer's Foundation uh, does provide that assistive service there, and they will have somebody come out and, and install that uh, for free with the community partners. Tim and his crew do a wonderful job. Uh, they're not too far from here, just up the street from, mm -hmm. from your facility. And I know that uh, the builders associations in Florida uh, would be very appreciative of what you have to say, uh, because they are actually uh, have created a, a program called CAPS, Certified Aging in Place Specialist. And so far, we have seen, and, and I speak from the, the vantage point of having uh, been involved and am currently involved in different builders associations, and the why for that is a, a long story. But um, as it comes to, to working with seniors and those wanting to age in place, we see that uh, so far under that CAPS category, Certified Aging in Place Specialist, uh, a lot of interior designers, mm -hmm. but uh, I have yet to see uh, anyone with that uh, with that certification or involved in the Builders Association from the the standpoint of being an elder attorney. And you know, I, I really want to uh, recommend to our builders who may be listening right now that if uh, you are uh, contemplating helping to uh, renovate or you're contemplating of uh, coming in and, and making sure that even in your own family that uh, your loved ones are going to be able to age in place or age at home that they reach out to you. You know, Sam, I think one thing that uh, is overlooked when it comes to elder law attorneys is that not only are we, of course, addressing the legal needs of our clients, but because of our um, position in the community and who we interact with on a regular basis, uh, many elder law attorneys, of course, myself included, have so many resources that we uh, can reach out to. And so the, if the builders uh, need to talk to somebody, if uh, potential residents need to uh, have access to a certain type of uh, organization or, or individual for assistance, um, Going to the elder law attorney is a good first place to go. And that's um, something that I think a lot of people don't recognize as a resource that's available to them. And I think that uh, idea of having a resource is phenomenal. Uh, I've been recently doing outreach to uh, what are called the area agencies on aging. Mm -hmm. uh, we have 11 regions of them in Florida, and I've been in contact with all of them and uh, recently in Tallahassee with the Department of Aging. And that's going to be a big focus, that uh, aging at home and the resources uh, is certainly something that everyone is saying, what resources do we have? And here is the very first stop on the resource list, and that's your elder attorney 
And right. You're right. Open. Yeah, I think you can look at the elder law attorney as uh, kind of the locomotive engineer, yes. so to speak. And you, you get on and kind of they're going to guide the train as to where where you're going to go. And the state is really interested in making sure that uh, their resources are husbanded as much as possible in order to um, have the maximum ability to service as many people as, as they can. And one way they do that is by, uh, for example, the Medicaid uh process. There's, uh, of course, the, what's known as the institutional care program, where the local state Medicaid covers a bunch of the cost for a skilled uh, facility, which is usually in excess of $10,000 a month. And so then they have a separate at-home waiver program that uh, they fund. And the problem is that it's usually uh, so necessary to have that program that um, that at-home waiver program is uh, has a long wait list yes. that could be in excess of six months to a year. And unless you are um, meeting just the right criteria, then you may not move off of that waiting list to get the resources uh, from the state there. So it's really important to work with an elder law attorney to understand how that whole wait list process works, how to answer the interview uh, questions that come with that, and to make sure that they're maximizing uh, their ability to uh, get uh, on and off that wait list to get the government benefits that are available from the state. Mm -hmm. David, uh, we're getting tight on time again. Uh, I'm going to leave the door open for you to come back at yet some point in the future because things change rapidly. And uh, I'm sure as we go into this year of 2022, there will be opportunities to have you back. But once again, how may people contact you? Sure. They can again go to our website, slonimlaw.com, one word, uh, or if they want to, they can call us by telephone. Our main number for all locations is 321-757-5701. We have the three locations in Melbourne, in Kissimmee, and in Clearwater, so uh, anywhere across the state, and then we can also assist anywhere throughout the state, uh, generally otherwise. And an interesting sidebar to that is that our program is heard not just here in Florida, but throughout the United States, Canada, Europe, and uh, some of the uh, island Pacific areas where we may have expats living who Mm -hmm. still have family here. So if you are one of those persons living outside the United States and you have loved ones here in Florida in particular, they can reach out and uh, they can talk with you and find out how you can help them with their loved ones here in Florida. Correct? Oh my goodness, yes. We've we've helped clients uh, all over the world. So in the UK, in, um, in Southeast Asia, um, and uh, throughout uh, South America, um, and, and, and of course the US and North America. So, so yes, we've actually uh, assisted clients throughout the world. And, and in fact, uh, uh, we are, um, I'm going to just plug one of the things that we like to do here. We're, we're um, technologically advanced enough where um, our staff, especially because of COVID, but even prior to that, uh, are um, international, so to speak, as well. And uh, one of my uh, main staff members actually lives in Hawaii and has lived there for many, many years now and, and is uh, just a phone call away uh, because of technology. And so, uh, yeah, so we're able to work because of the different time tables or time frames uh, for the staff, we actually can, can support beyond just the nine to five time frame as well. 
And I am going to invite you back because that seems like another topic for us to get into. So you'll be back? Absolutely. Thanks, Sam. Fantastic. David Slonan, Slonan Law, elder attorney here in Central Florida, but serving all of Florida. We're in Melbourne today. And a reminder that our program today brought to you by VIP America. They are a nurse registry helping to care for people in their home. And that help right now probably would be the best way to say, if you have a loved one, please get them advanced registration and advanced registration so that when the time comes that they need the care, that they are able to match your loved one's needs specifically with someone that that meets all of what they like, what they don't like. Are they a, a pet person? Are they not a pet person? Maybe they are a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan and really didn't know what to say or do when Tom Brady fell short this year by just about uh, four seconds. But that's another story. So we're going to come back at some point in the very near future, and David will be back with us. And in the meantime, a reminder that I'm Sam Yates, your gray-haired host for the Great American Senior Show, and that's the way our program ends.